Hi folks, welcome to episode 2 of Women Work and Wisdom. My name is Diane Lai. I recently met a bunch of incredible women who had amazing stories to be told, elders within our community, and wanted to provide a platform to get those stories out. So here we go. Thanks for listening. Hi folks, my guest today is Normella Armstrong, Regional Counselor for York. I was inspired by her surviving horrific domestic abuse to go on to put herself through law school, two kids in tow on welfare, and eventually go into politics. We discuss her finally finding love and her husband and her grandchildren, as well as her journey to actually entering politics and the struggles that she overcame. We also sadly are in her office and there's a huge fan noise in the background. So I apologize to listeners up front and please don't write me about that. Thanks. Hello listeners and welcome to uh, my interview with Normella Armstrong, Regional Councilwoman for Markham. So I actually read Normella's very personal journey in our local paper, um, a, a journey of abuse and then to law school, and then finally to a councilwoman. So I was really fascinated by her story, which is why I really wanted to interview her. So a couple of the the questions that we were just chatting about before we started recording was, has she remarried? And her response was? Yes, (laughs) I am remarried. Awesome. So I wanted her to really start with her journey, beginning with her marriage, and then to what she's actually doing today. So the career path that she's on, so... Well, I have to say, Diane, my journey started in um, December 26, 1985. That was the time that the abuse got so bad that I had no choice but to leave the relationship. Now, a lot of times, we, as as women, we we have hope. And not only that, but as a a mother, as a wife, you know, we want to keep that marriage and keep that family unit. So what we try to do is we lose sight of the abuse and we look at maintaining that family unit. So even though the abuse has been going on prior to December 26, um, you know, we, we stayed in it. Many a times I've been told by the police officers who have been called at the home, not just the home in Markham, but the home that we shared prior to that, um, that I should be removing myself from this relationship which I did from time to time, but I, I went back and, um, you know, things were good and then it was bad and then it just went. But that incident on December 26, that was it because that's when a lot of things happened and it's in specifically when he took the knife and put it to my throat, I, I thought that was it. But thank God it didn't happen that way. I was able to leave with my two young children, well, our two young children. Um, one was only about a few months old and the other was about four years old, went to my mom's house and I have to praise my mom and my family for what they have done because when I told them, they actually physically restrained me and told me I wasn't going to go back because they knew how many times I've been back. So it took me a while though. So up to that point, your parents really had no idea how bad it was? Well, no, they did. They, right. Not as bad as, you're right, they didn't know the degree of the physical abuse I was getting, um, but they knew I was being assaulted, and they did everything they could to get me out of there, that, in fact, they even sent me away. Wow. Um, I went away for a month, and I came back, and I still went straight to him, and uh, that's how the relationship continued, and we got married. 
So yes, my parents did know, but they did everything they could. But that time, my mom actually had to use physical force to hold me down because she knew that was it, because he's gone from one extreme to the other extreme and she was not gonna let me go back. Did you end up pressing charges? Yes, um, we did lay charges and um, it went into the whole system. That's when I have to tell you, I was so disappointed with the criminal justice system as well as the family uh, courthouse with the things that transpired subsequent to that situation. Um, and what happened at the end of the day, he was acquitted. Wow. So I know statistically women that are abused return an average of six times before they actually leave. And um, I, I always, I'm always amazed that it takes that long. So upon reflection, is there anything you could say to your younger self that would have helped that journey? You know, it's, um, I don't know, because it was my mind state at the time, and maybe, maybe culturally thinking that you you stay with one person for the rest of your life, maybe that thinking process, if I thought that, well, I could get a divorce and I could move on and life could be better, um, maybe that may have helped, but I don't know if I would have changed because that's who I am. So interesting. So now, you know, as you look at your career trajectory, I would love you to talk about, so what happened after that? What were the choices you made? And then what was your decision path to how you got to where you are today? Well, it's interesting that you asked that question because a girlfriend of mine, we were talking and I was complaining about how the criminal justice system wasn't working and the family law um, case that I had, um, how... I, I saw that I was being a victim over and over, and I'm going like, there's got to be something I can do. And she joked around saying, well, politicians, they make policies and they make decisions and they could change the world. And I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And then she said something really important, because we're talking about almost 25 years ago, no, almost 30 years ago, right, um, that uh, you have to have an education and lawyers are politicians. So... I said, okay, I'll start my journey to become a lawyer and then to go into politics. Wow, amazing. So did you practice law for a period of time in family law? Yes, I did. But let me tell you about my journey. So um, I, I went back because I started University of Toronto uh, with a political science degree, but I left after the first couple of months because one of those situations, uh, my husband saw me talking to someone and then when I returned home, that was a big argument and a big assault at that time, and I, and I was told not to go back, so I didn't return. So after that relationship, uh, the breakdown in that relationship, I, I went back to uh, University of Toronto, did my uh, degree in political science, a specialist degree. Now I have to tell you, um, I met someone in my second year, and uh, you know, uh, didn't get married, didn't live together, but yes, I did get pregnant. I had my third child when I was in my fourth year at university, and I gave birth to him on August 1st, and um, knowing that I was gonna start law school in September of that same year, which meant I had to relocate as a single mom with three children to um, Kingston, where I got an early acceptance uh, at Queen's Law School. 
and I started law school in September with uh, a month and a half year old son and my two younger sons. Wow, and so how did you manage that financially? I was on social assistance and um, I got subsidized daycare and I went and I saw wherever there was a grant. I looked around in the school campus, I looked for support system, I did everything I can um, to find information about any type of funding I can get and that's how I, and I'll tell you it wasn't easy. No, it I was, uh, you know, sometimes you'd say, you know, the last dollar, in your, but it was the last penny, you know, that we had in our pockets, but, but you know, God's been good and I, I've gone through it and and in my second year, when I saw another single mom came, all the information I had, I shared that with uh, those individuals, so they too can uh, be assisted the way I was assisted. Wow, so really, um, it's inspiring because you also wonder if there are programs in place to support people to get an education, and certainly a post-secondary education, right, when they are single moms. and also with three young kids, right, that you have to feed and that mm-hmm. have to go to daycare while you're mm-hmm. in school. You know what was really interesting about the daycare part is um, applying for the subsidy and having to go through that whole long process. Um, and the person I had, and I don't remember the person's name, but this person left an impact with me, very positive one, because um, she saw the things I was doing, and I think that was one of the things that helped me is um, I was out there doing things and looking for things and I was improving myself and my children and somehow or the other the person was able to find means of uh, and ways on how to help me to better myself. So there are a lot of people out there who are willing and capable of helping you and there's nothing wrong to ask for help and I think sometimes we are so afraid to ask because we might be rejected because we've been rejected so many times in our relationship and we don't have the strength or the knowledge to know that we can ask and that there are things out there. So sometimes we have to be able to, you know, it's a self-growth. And then how were you treated by your, your peers and your colleagues in your class? I have to tell you they were amazing because as soon as they found out that I was a single mom and I'm juggling and they're just students with no kids, some of them had, but um, as a single parent, they saw me not just um, doing the work that I'm doing, but we have to study class and, and we do a lot of things, and plus I do some things in the community as well. They were so um, taken by me that when, we were, when I graduated, I got one of the two Spirit Awards uh, for my graduating class because of the work that I've done. Amazing. Yeah. And then you entered politics, so if you can no, tell us. No, no, I did not enter Dover's because after law school, right. I came back now and I had to do my bar admission exams. Yes. But I've always wanted four kids, and the person I was with, because I had a child with him, um, I did have my fourth child, and um, I had my fourth child on March 7th, and a week later, I had to write my last bar admission exam which I did, and then I was called to the bar, which is to be a full lawyer now, June 23rd, 1995. So I left my graduating class in the morning, and then I went to my office that I had already prepared, and I opened up my law office, and I started on my own. And that, So, so June 23rd, 1995 to about three and a half years ago, I've been a full-time lawyer 
practicing in, in family law and wow. some criminal law. Amazing. And, and was that also locally here in Toronto? And All in Toronto, um, the greater Toronto area, because I thought when, as a lawyer, you will go where the, your clients are. So yes. it could be Oshawa, could be Mississauga, Brampton, York Region, okay. wherever, downtown Toronto, I went. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And and then after, so you were basically an entrepreneur as well because you were a small business as most mm-hmm. lawyers who open their own practice. Mm-hmm. And then how did that journey get to politics finally? Well, let me tell you a little bit more about that journey before we get into politics. <laughs> okay. Because you see what happened is that when I started to practice law, I did family law. And family law is one of those areas where you have to have a heart because I know what I experience, and I know people who are going through what they're going through, they need someone that could really listen and understand and be patient. So my practice was 99% legal aid Ontario um, clients that I got who had legal aid certificates. So I wasn't there charging the regular fees that I would normally charge. I took what legal aid gave me. So my practice was a legal aid practice that after about five to somewhat years of practicing as a sole practitioner, Legal Aid Ontario interviewed me. And I was one of those lawyers that they, they showcased to, to demonstrate to other individuals that you could have a successful Legal Aid practice. So my journey has always been to be given back to the community, specifically women who have gone through this, and also even men, because today's society, you have men who are also um, being abused by their spouse. So my journey has always been to help and to speak against violence against women and uh, to just promote women, their self-well-being, and to tell them that they can do anything they want to do. So this now is the story with respect to politics. So after um, being called to the bar and practicing, this was in sometime of 1993-94, I decided I'm ready to run for politics. So I started my whole process. I was with a political party provincially. I tried to secure a nomination so I could become a candidate to run. That failed. So my politics stayed on hold and I continued with my law degree. Then I tried a second time that failed. I continue with my law practice. Then I tried a third time and that failed. And then I tried a fourth time and that failed. And then I tried one final time, a fifth time and that failed. Think about the past 15 years I've been trying to become a candidate. I haven't even been successful to become a candidate to run for the political party because I haven't been able to um, to to really find a way to win nominations. And that's when I decided, you know what, that's a barrier in itself and I haven't been able to penetrate, but I believe in the people, not in the, the system that's out there. And I said, let me run municipally. I ran the first time municipally, I failed, I lost. I ran the second time, I lost. And then the third time, I ran and I won and I became regional councilor, the first South Asian um, council, regional councillor here in York Region. So my journey has been three elections, the third one I passed, and five nominations, which is 20 years in the making of my journey here today. 
Wow, your tenacity is amazing because I'm not sure many people would have kept trying after that many knocks. So that's incredible. Well, it's funny because my mom said to me, and, and my mom is my inspiration, she's going to be, what, 87? And even though she could be in pain or anything, she gets up, she perseveres, and, and she's my rock. And my dad. And my dad's going to be 90 this year. So, you know, those are two of my pillars that I have um, that made me who I am today, and my husband, and I'll tell you the story about him, and my four children and three grandchildren. Wow. Yeah. So just with respect to, um, you know, the nominations and, and the election, if I didn't have my parents who they are today, my mom would say to me, after every time I've lost a nomination, I would be going to court the following day, and she would say to me, "Han, how do you do this? And I said, I don't know, Mom. It's just in me. It's I've got to do it. There's something that's inside me that it's just this calling. And I just got to do it. And if I cry or if I go negative, then I would have failed. And I've already won because I got more experience now for the next time. And my mom would just look at me and laugh, my, you know, and my dad. So that's the kind of stuff I've done. And I have to tell you, I, you know, sometimes people think that because you've gone through the hardship that you've gone through that it's going to be difficult to, to have happiness and everything. Well, the second person that I was in, I wasn't married to him, but we are in a relationship for about 10 years, not living together. But um, a friend of mine said to me, and, and sometimes you think, oh, you know everything. Well, my friend said to me, who was much more older than me at the time, that this person I'm with will grow apart. I said, well, no, I have two kids with him. I, I love this person. And she said, no, watch and see. And you know what? The part, my partner, I called him at the time, you know, a really nice guy, and it's true. When we, when we talked about time to get married, he said, well, you know what? You've gone a different path in your journey, and he's still where he is. And he had the bigger picture. Now, mind you, I didn't see that. I just loved this person, and I wanted to be with him. But we broke up, and uh, my husband met me two years before that at a political event, and he knew I was with someone. So um, when my partner and I broke up, a few months later I attended a political event, and my husband, present husband, friend saw me, we talked, and I asked me if I was with someone. I said no, and, and then my husband called me and said, let's go out on a date. And um, we went out on a date, and this is where I became brave and bold. I said to him, I was supposed to be married this year. It's either you want to get married or just don't bother. And two weeks later, we got engaged. And within six months in that year, December 14th, 1997, I think, yeah, 1997, we got married. And we've been married happily for 20 years. Wow, that's an incredible story in itself. So pretty much you've been dating probably only a couple of months when you kind of, yeah. um, I, I think that's amazingly bold in that you just mm -hmm. stated what you wanted. Yeah, yeah like, I, but I, I wouldn't have been able to do so, you know, in the past because I think with everything that I've gone through, I, I, I have a vision and I know what I want. And um, this person who, you know, um, met me two years before and um, was still interested and very nice guy. Uh, I mean, you know, love is there in the sense of, yes, you, you grow and grow. And I guess 
for me, in a way, um, when you say that you're in love, you know, when you're young, you 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 can't live without a person. Well, the marriage that we had was we were both we we looked at each other and we said, and he said to me, I was his soulmate. I didn't know what that meant, but as we grew older together, I really understand what he what he meant by saying that. And he's such a decent. When a man says to you, Diane, because I still had time for one more child, you know, um, that I could, I said to him, you know, we can have a child. He goes, I've got four children. He took my four children and he raised them with me. And where could you find a true gentleman, a, a man that will do that for you? I have been so blessed in so many ways that I am thankful for this guy. And we just celebrated our 20th anniversary. And I was, I'm, I'm really happy and honored to have him as my spouse. It's an amazing journey considering your first marriage, right? Mm -hmm. To how a 20 year successful marriage, but yeah, absolutely yeah. those lessons learned mm -hmm. got you to a place where you knew what you wanted and when the right person came, you, were, you weren't afraid to mm -hmm. ask. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, <laughs> amazing. So there are so many things that I can really ask about. You know, uh, how do you find, how do you now define success for yourself? My children. That's my success. And then, do you think things have gotten better for women in the workplace over the past ten years? Um, I can't say it, it, that that it didn't. Of course, it did. Because you know what. Um, Let's go back to my nominations, right? Every time I lost, I got better. Mm -hmm. So it may not be what I want, um, but I did get better and better. So in the workplace, yes, things have improved. Um, do we have exactly what we want? No. Um, sometimes we're told what we could wear. You know, uh, there's some discussion about whether or not women can wear high heels in some places and whatnot, and, and the type of clothing they can wear. Um, so it, it, it all depends. Um, when you define um, winning or improving, anything better than what you had before is a, in my opinion, is, is a win. Okay, um, amazing. Um, how would you recommend people deal with instances of gender inequality in the workplace, whether it's blatant or subtle? You know, it's difficult to deal with gender inequality because as soon as you start to label things, people sometimes categorize you um, and and it may not be uh, a positive relationship you can have with that person. I think what you have to do is not think about gender inequality, but just think about human rights and, and just say, what am I entitled to? What are you entitled to? Are we not all the same? Do we not bleed the same red blood? You know, um, so why is there? And and sometimes too, you know, we say in my generation, I wouldn't see it, but maybe in my kids' generation. So we just gotta take it. You know, the it's whether you see the glass half empty or half full. I always see it half full. So okay. so, so it's it's a perspective and an attitude as that's well. That's right. Yeah. Okay, I I can I can understand that. Did you have mentors along the way, and how did they influence you? Oh, absolutely. I, I have this um, one mentor that I've had in my law degree, um, in practicing law, 
and my goodness, what an incredible man. He, he's still my mentor today. Um, we share experiences and whatnot about things that we've done, and he's been there. And uh, a mentor doesn't always come with telling you what to do every time you need help. It's those special moments where you need that one advice. Because a lot of times we, we think we know what we're doing. And, and so we don't need a mentor, but there's that one or two times in a year where it's a challenging thing, and reaching out to that person means a lot and getting positive things. So yes, I've had mentors, aside from family members, you know, uh, as uh, other non-family member, yes. And in my political life, I've had a, a, an incredible person mentoring me here, um, a staff member, and uh, he's been extremely helpful in guiding me on things, on how to do things. So we all need mentors in our lives. Um, if you could go back and give yourself two key insights to your younger self, what would they be? You know, just be who I am and don't change. Don't even change anything because if you do change something, I wouldn't be where I am today. So and another part of the the show that I like to do is give you the opportunity to have a call to action. So if there's a women's group that you want to promote or a program that's happening through um, the regional council or anything that you want to talk about along those lines, is there something you would like to discuss? Well, you know, Diane, a lot of times people have a tendency, women have a tendency to think that we can't have it all. Well, you know what? Yes, we can. I am so proud, and we didn't talk about my children, but I am so proud of my children that people would say to me, that whole journey that you've been going through, and at one time you were a single mom, so what are your kids now? What do they do? Where are they? I have four children, and I'll tell you, the first child, he's a lawyer, and he's married to a lawyer. The second child, he's a lawyer, and he's married to a lawyer. The third child is now doing his bar admissions stuff, so he'll become a lawyer. And my daughter is in law school in Thunder Bay studying indigenous law. So my entire family, that's why I say my children are my pride and joy, to see who they are today. And it's not because they want to practice law per se, it's, it gives them that tool, the same thing that I said. I'm using the law as a tool to be a politician because it gives me that foundation that I need. And they saw the struggles that we had to go through as a family and myself as a woman, as a mother, and as a spouse. Um, they see that, you know, strength is from the within and, and you got to believe in yourself and you got to embrace anything you can and, and get strength out of it. And that's where they are today. So my children, I say to any woman, you can do whatever you want to do. I've got a great husband. I've got a great profession. I've got great kids and great grandchildren, three of them. So yes, you can. But the problem we all have, as you said, it's the stamina, the perseverance, the drive. Because many a times we lose hope. And how do we lose hope? Because if I want to buy some milk for my kids and I don't have money to buy milk, I'm lost. So if we don't have the basic fundamental things to live on, how can we do the other things? 
and and that's one of the problems we have. But I don't know how I got through this, but there were very weak moments in my life, and um, and sometimes we we just do it. I don't. I I can't tell you. Like I tried to think about things in the past, but all I could see is I think what I've done is the negative I've put aside, and I've only looked. I can only talk about positive things in my life. It seems like you had a really good support network, though, right? Yes. You, you had family and probably friends that were very supportive mm-hmm. along the journey, and I think not all single women have that, right? Whether they relocated or there's probably a lot of shame affiliated with their situation, and so they don't ask for help. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a lot of courage, too. It's not a sign of weakness that you were able to ask for help. Right. And actually state your path, right? That, you know, that's what you wanted to do. Because I think a lot of people also think it's an unattainable dream, right? Mm -hmm. So to go from having two kids, right? So going back to school, finishing a degree, then applying to law school. It just seems like such a long path, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people wouldn't necessarily have that hope and stamina to do it. And, and and that's true, and, and the support system you're in place, but the support system is one part of it, but you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe that you can do it, and people who say you can't, you need to not listen to those individuals, because negative things just brings you down. You know, if you want to become something, you got to be with the people that are like that. I, I know there's sayings and whatnot, but you said something, you asked me a question about call to action. And we just talked about support system, and I'm, and I'm very fortunate to have that support system. So my call to action would be any woman out there who needs a support system, call me. I am okay. there. And I'll give you, and I'll say my personal cell number so you can have it. It's 416 that's not my political number, that's my personal cell number, and whatever time, because when I was practicing law full-time, I was 24-7. I had people calling me whatever. My husband is totally accustomed to my lifestyle, so you're not interfering whatsoever. I have children who are lawyers, they can help you through um, whatever ordeal you're going through. They can give you some support system in line, um, because they see what I've done and they give back. One of the places that they help significantly is with Yellow Brick House. It's a shelter for women who experience domestic violence. So there are support system out there that you know you can have, but if you don't want to reach out to those individuals and you just want a one-on-one, I do mentor people as well, all at no cost. So you want some help, call me, I'm here. Well, thank you so much for your time, Councilwoman. That I'm, I'm, I am going to publish that because I'm sure the people there will be many people listening who will be inspired by your story, and you know will want to talk to somebody who's also gone through a difficult journey. So, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, and, and thank you very it. much for this. Okay, cheers. So, if you are also in a domestic violence or domestic abuse situation. You have one counselor who is willing to give you any help that you may need. Of course, you have to listen to the podcast to get her cell number. She also mentioned a local women's shelter called Yellow Brick House. We will post their link and email address on the blog site as well. 
www.womenworkandwisdom.com as along with a link to Normella's site, uh, her regional councilman site, and her contact information if you need to reach her. So that was pretty amazing story. Uh, her absolute grit and inspiration to just keep going was amazing. I don't think many people would have had that kind of perseverance given the many obstacles that she faced. I was also incredibly in awe of the amount that she accomplished while in tow with young kids and no money. So a totally unbelievable inspiration. Normella Armstrong, I hope you listen. And again, thank you so much for your support. And if you have any questions, again, you can email us on our blog. You can reach out through Twitter or you can send me an email. This is Diane Lai. Thanks for listening. I do have one other postscript that I forgot to mention. We were in Normala's office and there was a massive AC unit, air conditioning unit, that we had no ability to turn off. So that is the challenges with the recording. I still think we can hear it clearly, but again, apologies to all because that was a real pain to deal with. And I'm hoping that I would get better at finding rooms and offices where we can have a more quiet conversation. Think about it like a coffee conversation.